0: Hi. How you doing?
1: I'm okay. How are you?
0: Good to see you. I'm okay. <laughs> it's crazy time. How are you doing? Thanks for making time to do this.
2: Sure. Are you all settled in for the evening now? Look at that beautiful artwork behind you.
0: Oh, thank you.
2: So did you see the part of my one note I sent to you where I said I really swore I saw, I only ever saw one Etsy commercial on TV just the other night. And it flashed <laughs> by real quick. I saw your mermaid on that.
0: No way. Boy, yeah, are you, you not aware that? of that? No.
2: That's cool. Yeah, I mean, it's like this. It, it's like all the pictures are flashing by because obviously they have millions of products. Yeah. But I, that mermaid is distinctly your art, you know? like. Oh, wow. It was on TV? It was on a TV commercial for Etsy.
0: Wow, I'm going to have to look that up and find that that's super cool yeah they probably they yeah. don't have to ask yeah. my permission <laughs> man if they could get me some business i be really happy
2: yeah I think they're, I said um, if you I were guess. gonna look that up on it
1: the
0: mermaid yeah. or the commercial <laughs> the mermaid gosh I don't know I don't know. I call it a traditional fractor, or I don't call it traditional. I call it fractal Austinics. I don't know what people look it up as. Sustainable. Yeah. I have no idea.
2: <laughs> there you go. Whatever. Okay, so, so that's all it, part right? of the whole. Oh my gosh, I mean, oh sometimes goodness. I go on these wild rabbit hole searches for stuff. You know what I mean? Same. Like typing in yeah. all these keywords.
0: <laughs> I do know what you mean. Welcome, Dave Klein, to Big Mama Hex. It's so nice to have you here today. Thanks for joining
2: us. <laughs> thanks. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: This is what I do with my quarantine free time, so that I don't feel completely isolated. So, thanks for joining me. Um, and you've been Absolutely. a rather busy person during during this COVID time. I know you had your wonderful um, Americana Fest. That was a lot of fun mm-hmm. to participate in and, and watch. That was a lot of fun. And then you also were. Um, at the Human Fest, virtual Human Fest. That was a really nice presentation as well. And brought tears to my eyes. It was really positive and uplifting. It meant a lot. So I really, I always enjoy watching you perform and listening to you speak and also reading what you write. So you're a wonderful person in our community and we value and thank you so much for all the things you do. You have a lot of plates spinning, right? Thanks, thank
2: you. For saying those things and thanks for paying attention enough to anything that i do that you could even say anything like that
0: yeah for sure uh, as yeah. far as
2: bringing a theory, right are you sure when you say bringing a tear you weren't watching my buddy keith brinson because a lot of times people have that reaction to his jokes they bring a <laughs> tear does. to people's eyes. he
0: literally it's, uses- and it's not because <laughs> they're happy he's got like he's got um he's got he's got the cornered the market on the dad joke <laughs> He says the same joke every time you see him. It's really funny about Rachel and Ruben. hi keith, hi keith. yeah, Keith yeah. is coming. Keith is coming on this week too. I'm just hitting them all. I'm hitting all the real um leaders in our, in our, in our community. So it's super cool. I'm excited okay. to talk to him.
2: Do you have War any messages? Fair. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I don't really. I, just, just, How just this. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. This yeah. is
0: interesting because I actually wanted to ask you, and I didn't put it in my um, loose script ideas. But how long have you known Keith? You guys have a a fun relationship.
2: Oh gosh, <clears throat> I've known Keith since um, well, since at least nineteen eighty five. So how many decades is that? That's a good number. Oh wow! Of decades. Did you guys meet um, like? Go ahead. No, Keith reached out to me back in the mid eighties. I don't know if we worked any show. I think we must have worked some shows together. You know, Uh, he reached out to me in the mid eighties. I had a band. It was called Eastside Dave and the Pine Ridge Mountain Boys. And that band was the predecessor band to what it evolved into, which was just me, Dave Klein or Eastside Dave Klein and the Mountain Folk Band or just simply Mm -hmm. Mountain Folk. And so back then uh, we were like uh, trying to promote this folk music and bluegrass music anywhere and everywhere. So this would be like a typical Situation for me. I would walk into like a downtown dive (laughs) or a bar, you know, and I'd look around and say, Oh, there's 10 square feet. You know, if you move that table and these chairs, come in and play. And how much? Well, we'll do it for like $10 a guy. Well, how long will you play? How long do you want us to play? Oh, five hours? Sure. And we'd all play our five hours, like eight till two in the morning, and then get up and do day jobs at six in the morning. But anyway, during that time, we were playing like maybe three to five times a week. And um, somewhere along the folk music trail, uh, my path met up with Keith's. It may be because I needed to buy something from him. At that time, he had a store on Main Street in right. Christtown. I just, yeah. I don't remember the exact meeting. It was that memorable. <laughs> he, he probably told me a joke. I don't know. Uh, but, Indeed. but the part that my first real like glue that stuck us together was at some point, after working with him maybe at Hoedowns or whatever, he uh, he asked me to go on a tour um, for I think it was 18 days or something. I, it was a good number yeah. of days. We went to Germany, and we went and uh-huh. played the new wine festivals along the Rhine River, and um, a couple things from that. If it wouldn't be for have been for Keith Brinsonhoff, I wouldn't have come to appreciate the Pennsylvania Dutch, Pennsylvania German culture as much, even though it's a really strong part of my heritage. Wow. Uh, I never really thought that much about it it was just like more natural thing but mm-hmm. and I certainly didn't ever have the opportunity to play traditional barn dances until I played some of those with Keith and then that first time I went over to Europe made such an impression on me that actually uh except for this coming year I've been over to I've probably been over to Europe like 55 60 times wow. either performing or guiding groups or cultural trips or whatever um So I have, you know, that was a that those are my good memories. That's of meeting Keith in the mid '80s, you know, and and so all the jokes I heard the jokes I can repeat the jokes. We should just be like the old joke and say, "Hey, do number four, okay? Number four, (laughs) ha ha ha." You know.
0: Oh my gosh, he's incredible, though. I love him so much. He taught me, taught me Dutch, so I just
2: forgot it all. But And, and, and and shines at that, and um. Yeah, he's incredible. You know, like uh, like playing. Dances, I really miss that. Like we that that yeah. has really kind of died around here. The last bastion of it really was up in Kutztown, and if like if you wanted to work a barn dance, he was the guy that he would he would know where they were, you know. And we get hired a lot, and we had a, he had a group. He, his group was and still is the Toad Creek Ramblers. Yeah, but with COVID and stuff, I mean, haven't played yeah. in a long time. But just in Northern Berks County, like New Tripoli, we played mm-hmm. a wonderful barn up there, and people would clean out the barn. And, um, you know, we'd have the band in the corner and it's no heat in the barn. It's just body heat, you know, and whatever. Yeah. And the one side of the barn would be filled with food, like this time of year, the harvest time, the homemade food that people would bring. And we'd play and they'd dance till like midnight on a Saturday night. And he'd do his wow. calling and his crazy jokes. That's fun. And we had the time of our lives, really, you know.
0: Wow. People could I, think I've never it, heard of
2: that. But it. Yeah, it's the the greatest thing. Those barn dances. When you talk to him, talk to him about the barn dances.
0: Yeah, sure. I will. feel like I've never. I've never even heard of that. You know, I'm from I'm from right outside of Philadelphia. Like my whole family's from here, but I grew up in Bucks County. So I mean Bucks County. Sorry. So this is all very new to me. So I've never even heard of a barn dance. You know.
2: hear of country dance. Of here, of what? a contra dance no it's- our ancestors came from europe and they brought with them all these dances these courtly dances and all this kind of stuff you oh. know and i mm-hmm. mean uh, so hoedowns really barn dances they're offshoots of that and oh. what's really fascinating about this is um like if you go up to new england contra dances are still popular more popular than like square dances and hoedowns mm-hmm. right here in northern County, the hoedown is the term that I got called. And it's it's very much less formal than a square dance.
1: Certainly a country
2: line dance is something. Mm -hmm. But uh the original idea of it is that a young man, usually Mm -hmm. in those days, it would have young man that initiated this, uh, and young women, uh single, would come to the barn dances and they'd see members of the opposite sex, uh, -hmm. and they would um ask them to go to dance, you know, and uh, it was, a, the way I described it, it was a way to sort of test drive another person and see if they like your like smile. Yeah. Uh, the way they dance, just the ambiance, the, uh, you know, the vibe, mm. uh, so try before you buy thing and it was acceptable in society. Yeah, that's really you know, cool. know, because- Yeah, those, we
0: need stuff like those, that.
2: <laughs> uh, social interaction, yeah, and, mm-hmm. and in Berks County, and you talk to anybody about this that that knows and understands it. In Berks County, many a uh, long-lasting marriage came as the result of a meeting at a barn dance, a hoedown or a square dance or something oh, like wow. that. And that's the God's honest truth.
0: That's very yep.
2: cool. And one thing on that that I think is really cool that really appeals to me as a le- person who likes history and sort of a music historian. So this time of year especially, uh, my, my favorite uh, literary work uh, has to be A Christmas Carol by Charles so in that, there's a scene, uh, Mr. Fezziwig, the, the, the Fezziwig scene when they're visiting the ghosts of Christmas past, Ebenezer mm-hmm. and the ghosts of Christmas past are visiting different and the Fezziwig scene, Fezziwig is where um, uh, Scrooge used to work for Mr. Fezziwig. Oh. And as a business person, I always tried to model myself when I was in the business side of Fezziwig because he was a wonderful, he was happy, he treated his employees well Um, um you know, it wasn't all about the almighty buck. And at Christmas time, mm-hmm. he threw this big party and they hired Fiddler. And the way Dickens described it is just like, it's just so great. You got to read in something like 1,300 or 1,600 words. That's all. You, you're a wordsmith. So take, just yeah. appreciate and savor this. Yes. 1,300 is 1,600 words. I forget now exactly how many words he brought this Mr. Fezziwig character to life. Wow. And that has had such a profound impact people's lives including mine anyway part of it is they dance this dance and mm-hmm. um and charles dickens named the dance by name and so you know if you're watching a really good reproduction of a christmas carol uh if they name that dance by name and um if they actually dance the dance because that dance it's called sir roger de coverley in oh. in the days of Charles Dickens, everybody knew how to do that dance. Like everybody now knows how to do the YMCA or something, you know right, YMCA, right. right? Most people mm-hmm. do that, right? So in Dickens' day, that was the big dance. It's called Sir Roger de Coverley. You have to look it up. I will. Wow, matter of so fact, cool. I have a version of it on YouTube that the band plays. Anyway, yeah, they all dance to this, and and um, Dickens names it. So that dance came to the United States. And it became known as the Virginia Reel. Oh, wow. And it became very popular dances because it was the kind of dance that everybody could do. And sometimes mm-hmm. they played this song for like two hours. If people <laughs> would get up and dance, they just keep playing the same song over and over. Wow. So anyway, that's <laughs> just it. That's me, so interesting.
0: interesting. Yeah, that's super cool. I had no idea. Yeah. So so barn dances, huh? That's really neat. Yeah. I have to look back at Gladys Lutz. Are you familiar with her work? Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, the yeah, yeah, of course you are. I wonder if she has any depictions of that. I bet you she does. I love her work so much. And we actually collaborated for um Derbalschnickel suite. And I did a lot of the artwork during that time for that project, um, based on um in honor of her, based on her work. I love her work so much. That was a really fun project. Um following you and watching all the things you do, Dave. It's so incredible um, to see your hand in so many different pots and making so much change. Um, but it must be exhausting sometimes. You just have so much energy. I guess not. It's just who you are, right? You like to stay busy.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's actually worse the other way. You know what I mean? Like if yeah. I don't have projects going on at once, I feel I very, very restless and unfulfilled, and yeah. feel like I'm wasting time. Every, every, when I, and then at the same hand at the same time i do sometimes overwhelm myself with projects sure, and i go like
1: oh, what are you doing stop it i know what, what you mean yeah this is
0: yeah. A, that
2: creative energy and that creative force that uh anybody that doesn't have it in them i think could probably not understand and that's okay yeah. and anybody that does have it in them understand it's i think a form of sort of like mental illness you know it's like it's like oh yeah i mean i'm just hell to do all this stuff you know and it's it's a it's these creative urges and you can't shut it off i mean the other night at two in the morning i got up and wrote lyrics to a song oh
0: wow that's so cool to my mind yeah no i totally understand what you mean because it's like if actually in fact um i stopped doing art for a little while after i had my son and daughter the youngest ones because i went back to work teaching and um it's almost like without being able to be creative i felt like it was a mental illness, like, you were gonna, like, I was unraveling, like, I felt insane, and, yeah, totally taking on way too much, but if I have, like, free time or, like, downtime, I start to get, like, really antsy, so I totally understand what you mean, that's very interesting, but, um, you know, it's, it's just very, very cool to see, like you said, the creative spirit, when people don't have it, they sort of look at you, like, what are you talking about, because people can't understand how Hunter and I make any money, and, you know, the way that we work. And it's really interesting because we don't really stop, you know, because we love doing it. There's not really an end point or a break or like a vacation really too much. But sometimes it can be hard because our kids don't understand like why are you still working? Because it's what you love to do, which is very lucky for us. Um, So I'd love to know more about your background and how you came to, how you, what inspired you to become a musician? And then from there, what inspired you to become a DJ? Because I know, I know a fella who worked with you at a radio station, and I'm blanking on his name. Is his name John in Kutztown? His name is John, but um, yeah. So can you talk a little bit about how you fell in love with music? Or
2: you mean the guy that? Sorry, the what? guy that runs the radio station.
0: No, he worked like as an intern for you a while back. I don't know. I it okay. Well,
2: before. there's Mike Reaganberger who works for KU and he does a good job and he did work with us for a while. This is so he's just, a creative.
0: Yeah. His name's John. And actually it's weird. I just haven't thought of him for a really long time and he's not on Facebook anymore.
2: Um,
0: but anyway, okay. yeah. So how did you fall in love with music?
2: Uh, so it's, it's genetic, you know, it's mm-hmm. just not something I ever thought about. Yeah. I mean, just- so I, I, you know, that's a that's a great question. The answer to that question probably lies in the maternal side of my genetic makeup because my grandfather uh, they came from Sicily, and my grandfather was a first chair uh, French horn player for the Reading Symphony Orchestra. Oh wow! He, was a member of French Horn player for the Ringgold Band. Sometimes conducted both of those orchestras or rehearsals and stuff. He also um, he also performed for the first inaugural celebration of Franklin Delano Roosevelt in Washington D.C. Wow! And when and he was a contemporary of John Philip Sousa and worked with John Philip Sousa uh, and particularly when Sousa came to Reading and they rehearsed. With the Ringold band, and Susa walked across the street and wasn't feeling that great, and went into the Abe Lincoln Hotel, and then promptly died. Wow. And it fell on my grandfather to organize back then for big big shots. They would have these funeral trains. Mm. Have you ever seen that in the movies where they have these great departures and people come by the station and they? Well, uh, the way my grandmother told it, on a on a cold March day. Mm-hmm. John Philip Sousa's time to leave on his funerary train from the Redding's Outer Station. Uh, my grandfather gathered up members of, I don't know how many bands. At that time, a band would be like a John Philip Sousa band, you know, like a mm-hmm. ringold thing, brass band, Blas Capel came from, you know, that area of Germany, umpah music and so forth. Anyway. Mm-hmm. So his, his job was to gather that up and they had all these band members playing. And uh, anyway, so that, that's, and he was a composer and blah, 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 blah. And, um, you know, I came to appreciate that over the last 30 years, but I'm twice that age. So to say that that was the thing, cause I never knew him, he died before I was born. But to say that that was the thing that, uh, inspired me, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. So I say it was just, it was just in me and it had to come out. Yeah. You know, um, I remember when I was little and people would ask me, you know, well, what do you want to do with your life? And I'd be like, uh, oh. I don't know. Uh, by that time like well say so like well kids like in my peer group in like let's say junior high and high school were engaged in sports like wrestling and football and baseball and stick and ball sports I was already gone into theater groups and acting and Mm -hmm. drama and music and my mother by the way you know very talented dancer and choreographer and so she carried on her father's tradition I guess I carried on to me because when she asked me one time what I want to do with my life I said uh this is after the Beatles came out. And that really inspired me. I yeah. truth, that was like, whoa, that was, if somebody would have asked me back then, what do you want to be? I would say the Beatles, mm-hmm. you know? So I said, mom, I want to be a rock star. And she's like, okay. So, oh, that's you know, so great. That's it's awesome. like, okay. And so one cute. time I was playing a piano at a kid's birthday party. And I mean, I might've been like 15 myself and uh, we had a band and the lady came and asked me, oh, what do you want to do? And I said, what do you want to be? I said, I want to be the Beatles. She said, all four of them. I said, sure. That's so I'm not alone. Many people were inspired by the Beatles.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: yes. And that just the need, the compulsion to have to mm-hmm. of all kinds and to create things. And like you do, it's like whatever. It's like mm-hmm. if it's one medium, it's next. It's music, it's art, it's writing, it's photography, it's whatever. Now it's social media. Um, yeah. So I think my inspiration is why I want to do it was music itself. It moved me. It has moved me ever since I am little. It moves me now. When I really, truly want to relax, nowadays I'll sit back in a nice recliner that's comfortable for me, and I'll just turn on music. And I could listen to music. I might listen to that like two hours a day. I might sit back and just listen to wow. music.
1: That's awesome.
2: I'm drawing inspirations. I'm making comparisons, mm-hmm. learning. I'm educating myself. Every time I listen to music, it's an education. It's like an ongoing, like, doctoral degree kind of thing I'm not That's a doctor really but <laughs> you, when you spend enough time with something you realize that you know what there's there's never been to learning That's and as far true. as the dj thing as far as the dj thing when I was a kid I guess this is a man of an outward manifestation of the love of music I um and the need to entertain I guess and the need to entertain not so much as show off and I think there's a big difference mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The to entertain is that compulsion that you want to give back to other, that innate yeah. feeling. And I didn't realize it when I was young. It was just something you wanted to do. And, mm-hmm. and the need to go off, that's different. You know, that's just in your face. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I see the distinction there between the two. But I was that kid that had uh, always dreamed of having uh, – of sharing the music. So I was that kid that when my parents would go away, they had a pretty powerful – one of those stereos that the speakers detached. And so I would open the second floor window of the back of my house mm-hmm. and I would entertain the kids who would come to my backyard and I'd blast the stereo out. Like, you know, I was playing Led Zeppelin, here's the Rolling Stones, here's the Beatles, you know. <laughs> and I would do that. But then also I would go down my basement and I had uh, finally been able to save enough money or I got it for a birthday or Christmas, a pair of those little walkie talkies.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: and they were powerful I never knew what the power was and what I would do is I would I would um turn the one on and I would tape it I would tape it so it would stay on
1: mm-hmm.
2: and then I would play music and talk it imagine that poor listening wow and that's the God's honest truth nope that's so cool you know I mean? <laughs> but I would spend like a lot of time doing that but I was playing music and I liked playing music anyway and listening to music. So, mm-hmm. um, so those are my two starts. There. Little did I know, like 20 years after that, I would actually get a job in, in the entertainment broadcast business because I went the other way. I started by becoming a nutritional geriatric dietitian therapist.
0: Really? Uh-huh. Oh my goodness. I had no idea.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh,
0: wow. I've
2: been everywhere here. I've been everywhere. <laughs> yes but i know a low salt diet or a 1000 calorie diet or you know puree diet i can help you out with that but that yeah, was like sure. yeah it was like 40 years ago so and oh, then wow. when that that it wasn't satisfying the normal yeah. life or that yeah. life whatever life is yeah
0: it's so true i thought teaching art would be the same as fulfilling my dreams of being an artist and it just wasn't the same it's very true and it's interesting how you said how you said it was just in you because I when people ask me or when I talk to children about art and they ask like when did you start when did you start making art and I don't remember a time that I didn't make art you know like I don't remember never I never remember a time not making art so I totally get that that's very cool yeah Yeah.
2: so that's right so that's right how can I say what the I inspirations or whatever you know the motivation yeah definitely the Beatles and then later on finding out more about my grandfather and stuff like that but yeah that's really cool the Music and art has always moved me. Art in architecture, art in food. I mean, all, mm-hmm. art manifests itself, <coughs> excuse me, as you know, in a lot of different ways. For sure. For And it's those things that are unique about it that I can see in all walks of life that really move me. It's like almost like walking through life with a different set of eyes, if you know what I
0: yeah. mean. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. It's a little bit yeah. of
2: altered reality.
0: <laughs> it's very true, and you see things differently once, especially if you're, like, when I was trained, like it's weird when you, when you start learning about design and how things should fit together, you kind of see the whole world that way. And it's never not that way then. You can never just see an ad and it's just an ad. It's like you're breaking it down into the design elements. It's really interesting, but I kind of, I like that. It's neat.
2: I do it with billboards. I did it just yeah, tonight just... Even down the street. I mean, this is, this is so stupid. Me, I am so stupid this way. I honestly got almost did this tonight, but I don't, because it's <laughs> kind of against my rules. I almost took a picture of a billboard and posted it on Facebook and said, Look, do we think this is really good composition or just like dumb? Because <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> it was bad.
0: I, I It's so bad. I'm, I'm such a distracted driver, knock on wood. Like, I don't know. I do all right, but I cannot not look. It's like very difficult <laughs> to not. And, and you right. know what I, I you know. <laughs> I went from Boyertown to Allentown today, and what I noticed about myself, and i I was in the car alone, which never happens, I noticed that I stare at the barn, not the house ever. Like it's always I look at the barn, not the house. Like I thought to myself, always, always, when there's a barn and a house, the house doesn't matter to me at all. It's just it's so interesting. I don't know if I'm always kind of like scanning for hex signs or something, but it's really interesting, you know, how things work like that because I actually noted it in my head, like, well, that's kind of weird, Rachel. So I I have a question for you that I've heard on another podcast that I think is very interesting. Do you have an internal dialogue constantly? <laughs> because that's another thing with very creative people. I feel like they're always like kind of having this internal dialogue with themselves. Do you Do you have that? <laughs> yeah, who doesn't? It's so funny because Hunter doesn't. And I'm like, what do you mean? You're not like talking to yourself. <laughs> and I'm like, who do you talk Hi. to you then?
2: It won't stop. This is what it I won't. mean about it being yeah. like a form. it's like like a childlike voice like
0: like today for instance it was like well that's really interesting Rachel you always notice the barn and not the house it's like a child talking to you and it's really fun it keeps you like youthful I think you know
2: when you're always talking
0: to yourself inside your head uh, (laughs) certainly getting me through
2: this (laughs) I think that curiosity is a is a very very healthy aspect of being an artist or being a person because again whether you have a degree or whether you don't have a degree that doesn't mean you can't have a doctoral level education on something that you immerse yourself into. Yeah. I think
0: you just very if true. you're
2: really curious you can never stop learning. I don't care if it's bird, bird or art or whatever. So you say about born well, right now we're in the rebound, and I won't get into that whole thing, but let me tell you how much design and art and function and for me it can't be like i just had this discussion with my wife tonight now here's a, here's a great example of this mm-hmm. um, we were looking at a bed and the bed that i was looking at was this old fashioned sleigh style bed if you know what i mean it has curves yeah, to it and mm-hmm. like, really really interesting and she and the designer were like yes but it would it would it would be a, a, it would be i think a little more inexpensive or it would be better with this if you just made it straight a straight line i said straight lines i said god you guys come on straight lines straight lines are what boxes are are made for boxes Mm -hmm. in prison people in you need curved lines you need flow you need like this and they just both look at me like you're a nut (laughs) well my internal discussion says you need curved lines Oh
0: my gosh. Well, I'll I'll give you this. Uh, I don't know. Every single day Hunter looks at me like I'm a nut, (laughs) you know, it's hard to live with a super like creative person on that level, because it's just kind of like, you never know what you're going to get. He used to call me wild thing because I just, you know, you come up with this crazy idea, you know, and it it actually like ends up like spreading out into your whole life. (laughs) So career decisions, you know, uh, decisions and parenting it's like a creative spirit but I, I really enjoy it. I've embraced it in the last couple of years you know um, and it makes me I feel hopeful because there's so many creatives in the world still and I'm hoping that there'll be a whole new batch of creative people um, springing up especially during this time. I think it's actually a good opportunity to be creative when you're isolating or you're not getting to go out as much. It kind of pushes you into a corner to make your own fun, you know.
2: Yeah, I get it. I hope so. I mean, um, part of that is like the whole process of learning, and that's a whole interesting mm-hmm. topic. Uh, I can tell you two stories real quick that I never told anybody before, now that you made me think about. One right. has to do art and like that. that I, I never was particularly aware that I was engaging in doing art or doodling or whatever um, until one time, I think it was in like, it was it was in late elementary school. And apparently my mother got a phone call from one of the teachers. And so we had to go have a teacher conference, you know, whatever. We went in there and this is, as I recall, I was really young, but anyway, the the concern was the teacher wanted to show my mother this art. And my mother looked at it and she looked at me and she put the art down. She said, now tell me about this. And what it was, was, this is my imagination at work. When I was a boy growing up, it was not uncommon for us boys to play army. Like, mm, right. and there were all, shows on like uh, yes. the Rat Patrol and uh, you know, uh, whatever. Uh, there was all these army shows. It was, it was the, you know, post-World War II and mm-hmm. uh, anyway, so on this piece of paper, what I used to do is in my mind, I could play out whole scenes. So I draw little tanks and little airplanes and I draw little dotted lines like they were shooting at each other, you know? And the Americans had stars and the Nazis had swat stickers. So you wow. put this paper down in front of me that had all these, like, <laughs> if you look at it, you think like, "What is this?" It's like swat stickers on one side and stars on the other. And I explained to her, I said, "Mom, I, it's like uh, what we—it's just—I play out the whole scene in my mind, right? Like, you know? Mm-hmm. for me, I had this wild imagination. Like that's why I used to mm-hmm. love my train. I used to love my Lionel train set at Christmas time. To me, people were living in those houses. People were driving yeah. the. So, anyway, so me, I was just playing out this scene, and once I explained to the teacher, of course, everybody had a big sigh of relief, you know they wanted to make yeah, sure it wasn't sure. you know Nazis or something I don't right. know what I, you know but 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 uh, it was innocent. It was just me mm-hmm. being a kid playing out just the same as I spent hours and hours making building models and stuff like that, and then, when I got older and I was in high school, and I wasn't particularly that interested in learning the uh straight line curriculum mm-hmm. by that time, I was already competing at the college level in one act plays so oh, wow. a lot of in high school i really wasn't that interested in like i just like mm-hmm. this is like, really boring this is like yeah, i just sure. i don't get it i don't relate to it but i had two really great teachers one was my typing teacher and the other one was my english uh, lit teacher i
0: love typing I class
2: pretty... huh
0: i love taking class it was the best class in all of high school yep
2: yeah, yeah. so and I always excelled at those – At those, uh, not so much typing. I really wasn't that great of a typist, but I excelled at English Lit because like, I enjoyed reading, enjoyed writing, uh, and blah, blah, blah. So somewhere along the way, instead of getting frustrated with me that I kept wanting to do my own thing rather than what they absolutely had in the, the curriculum, the straight line, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. these two very wise people saw something in me that really helped change my life. So they must've talked to each other and you, you know, how you had back then you had to do like to graduate, supposedly to graduate from high school. You had to do some kind of big project for the end of the year, some kind of formal essay. And and I'm just like, I I can't do it. I I, I don't want to do it. You know, anyway, (laughs) they let me use my typing class time to type poetry that I was like, I would just be writing poetry all day long like in my study halls and music and song lyrics and stuff like that and they too conspired or collaborated with each other and i was allowed to use my typing class to not do what the curriculum was but to type my work up and i was wow. allowed to make my senior class project working under this the tutelage of this english lit teacher it ended up being three books of like i don't know 50 to 100 pages of poetry and song lyrics wow. and stuff like that and uh that had that really had a profound effect on my life because it was the first time I remember really being allowed to be what I really was or who what I needed to express rather yeah, than awesome. the brick in the wall, the same old mm-hmm. kid doing the same thing and ending up doing some mundane thing that just I don't know, you know what I mean. I do know Not mean, nothing yeah. wrong with that. Every every job is I cool, to each own. Sure. like I could do it and be well, sure. emotionally, sure. and spiritually, yes. So they opened up doors for me because that's when I, and, and I got like, Hey, so a little bragging. So I got an A plus plus on that. So I graduated. That's probably the thing that helped me to graduate because the rest yeah. of them forget it.
0: I know. Uh, I know what you mean.
2: <laughs> but it encouraged me to like, I thought to myself, okay, well, so now in a sort of a way I'm validated,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, it's like when you sell a piece of art that really yeah. kind of feels good. Oh yeah. It validates you in a sense.
1: Mm-hmm. It's somebody
2: else saying, look, I recognize, um, what's in you and came out and I recognize that as something worthy and that we shouldn't yeah. need that, but I think everybody needs that in some oh, way, Oh, definitely, especially
0: it. artists. Cause I think generally speaking, we're very highly sensitive people, you know?
2: Yeah. And you look for yeah. acceptance. You want to, you sure. want to put out, you want to give to people, mm-hmm. uh, you don't want to grandstand. You just want to, you just want to do it, you know? And, right. um, it's nice when it's accepted.
0: Mm-hmm. Especially if it took a while for it to be well-loved, you know, like I've been, yeah. I was doing this for 30 years before I hit kind of the nice stride, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So. Right. And then I see that beautiful work behind you. And I think
0: thank you,
2: uh, how wonderful it is. And, you know, I really, um, then again, you know, in, in talking with my own wife about things, we, we were driving around Northern Burke County the other day and I'm like you, I do look at the barns but right now, like I mm-hmm. said, because we're designing the house and working on that. I'm looking at stonework. I'm looking at craftsmanship. Mm-hmm. And I, I can you can tell the difference, especially in the barn, because a barn is such a much bigger canvas than a house is. So that's yeah. why my eye is drawn to the barn. Mm-hmm. And it's also drawn to the barn because it encloses such an awesome amount of space.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, and mm-hmm. even though they were highly functional structures, you can tell the difference between sort of an artisan barn and one that was just slapped up oh, for yeah. utility. Purposes, mm-hmm. you can tell the difference in the masonry and the stonework. Mm-hmm. You can tell the difference if they put things like ghost holes in them, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. things like that. You know, just those little touches yeah. on a bank. Bar, the way they did the walls, I mean, all that stuff. And then if they have barn stars and things like that, that's even. I mean, that's the icing on the cake. You know, and, and I right. give a lot of credit to Pat Donmoyer and uh you know the other guys that are doing the barn stars and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, cool. Mm-hmm. And all those for be keeping that alive, you know and yeah, the, and the hair very center, cool. that's great that, that we have that art and that's really indigenous to our region here and I think yes. that's great I've come to appreciate that a whole lot more, especially over the last twenty years or so like again, when I see mm-hmm. your artwork background there uh, that's something really special you know Thank you. Uh, one of the pieces of uh local you don't know this um tell your husband tell hunter one of the the only i, I had a lot of work by friends of mine in our home, in our home that, that we had to fire. And um, I had a lot of stuff by John Bond. We had just done that project, that extensive project. It took like a year and some of that original work just it's dust now, you know, but one ad that I really treasure that hasn't been out of its little container, protective container. And it was out in my shed being kept protected. I who knows why, is a beautiful, huge barn star I bought from Hunter. It's gorgeous. Really? And it's, Aww. it's, uh, it's, so that's, that's, it's, uh, I didn't that's,
0: know
2: that. yeah, that's, that, yeah, it's nice.
0: That's super cool, Dave. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, I'm, for a couple of years now, I haven't actually been at the Folk Fest. I've been staying with the kids because, like I said, I'm, I'm very highly sensitive, but I'm also a super introvert. I know it's hard to believe, but. I got to be a certain point where it was just too much. Like I don't know, I felt like enclosed. You know, we were back in the pig pens. So <laughs> I said, yeah. "Here's the deal, Hunter. I'll watch the kids the whole time. You go and suffer through the heat." And he was happy. He was happy to do that. He grew up on a farm. He loves the heat. <laughs> so the heat we worked heat, it out, but...
2: Heat, rough, but it's better it's than the rough. old. In the old days, we used to be on the hoedown stage with Lester Miller there and oh Lordy, oh the old band and. uh, in the old days, when I first started doing that festival more than a quarter century ago, we'd be, this is hard to believe. We would be out in the middle of a field and <laughs> bleachers on both sides. There was no tent. There was no shade. There was no cover Whoa. for the or the audience. And it was a regular Whoa. occurrence on those 102-degree days <laughs> that wow. we'd be playing. Oh uh grab your partner promenade enough that that you see like some person would keel over and here would come the little ambulance cart little red light flashing <laughs> it was like every show that happened like four times a day it was part of the oh, act oh
0: my goodness that's incredible oh my gosh well, how lucky were we right that's so funny
2: <laughs> well yeah i mean t- we finally said to the to the management who's no longer there i mean we just said mm-hmm. you know listen we're putting our foot down. We Seriously. People are passing out, going in the ambulance at this show. Yeah, They finally did the setup you have seen recently, the, the, yeah. the model that it was under that tent with the hay bales and stuff like that.
0: Nice. That's awesome. Good job. Thank you for that change. <laughs> no, you know, what? it's so funny because over the last couple of years, it became like, oh, such a thorn in my side sometimes not to go and enjoy it with my kids, but to work it. But then this year there was like you know, it just became a year of like gratitude for the things that we had that we don't have this year. So I really, really missed it. Mostly for the camaraderie, like it's like going to summer camp, you know, and seeing all your favorite people, you know, and that was, that was really tough this year to get through. That was one of the hardest things I think, um, to not have in our lives. So yeah. And I'm really going to miss Steve too. I was supposed to interview him for the book and I haven't been able to catch up with him, but I'm really going to miss him a lot. He was a really great guy. His first yeah. year was our his first year was our first year, so Yeah. What are you gonna do? So
2: Well, I mean Steve worked with Dave. Dave Fuchs was the guy I finally went to, you know, I was like, Dave, and he was great to work with too, you know. It's like Dave, people are passing out, blah blah blah. Anyway, Steve worked right. with him, so Steve understood it and, not, and knew, you know, so I don't know who they're gonna get or what they're gonna do and it's not a let somebody ask me and then I'll make it my business, right? right. You know
0: I just hope but, the show uh, goes on. I hope
2: they continue the traditions carry on
0: so the writing so the writing for Burke's country and how how has that how has your career taken you in that direction when did you start working for the for the eagle and how, how did that manifest in your in your um life well uh
2: it's
0: past my bedtime so, sorry I brain's not on
2: uh, you. okay I think I, I worked for that company for 30 years between the wow. radio station paper and then uh when we started the uh the product called burst country magazine when we sat around and brainstormed that and then that led to a meeting with people around the community and stuff i had you know by that time a lot of friends and neighbors just uh really great access to people whose input was you know highly valuable to help get that thing moving in the right direction you know and and uh oh, I was tasked with sort of making a slogan for it to give it some initial direction and I I got to remember what it was now but it's uh oh, I don't remember it off the top of my head but it's just oh yeah I do a state of a state of a way of life and a state of mind so right. what I mean by that is a way of life and a state of mind what it means is this this um publication was to be able to manifest so that a person in the rural setting of Burst County, which is really, really important, you know, Mm -hmm, to us mm -hmm. and our traditions, uh, could relate to it and feel a part of it and have something celebrating them. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, it was to manifest in a way that a person in an urban environment, let's say Center City Mm Reading, that felt like they wanted to grow a tomato or felt like they wanted Mm -hmm. to get something fresh from a garden at the uh, downtown farmer's market stand, uh, could also relate to it because these are things that hold us together that keep us, uh, that, that that create a a commonality. And what we're trying to achieve with that is that there's a, um, a brotherhood and a sisterhood and things that we can all agree upon that had to do with like love of family, love Mm. of culture, love of traditions, love of food, love of passing down recipes and beverages and music and all those things and art and culture. That's, that was like, that's where I was coming from anyway with, the, with the magazine. And then right from the start, I said, well, you know, like, Hey, I, I really want to write a weekly column for this magazine, because this is just something I just believe in. Like I, it's not work. It's, it's a, it's a mission. Sorry. That's sure. another phone. No, that's fine. That. So that went on for all those years and all, it was only interrupted recently. Cause you know, the newspaper, the company got taken over by another company
1: mm-hmm. and,
2: uh, I won't say anything either way about my thoughts about all that and all that, but uh, but uh, the publication that was once a standalone publication, and at its height of popularity, was like 30 some, 48 pages or whatever. I mean, people loved it. Yeah, um, for sure. It shrank down to something that was just included in the newspaper, and right. that's economics in the times we live in. And so mm-hmm. uh, I stopped writing for a while because, um, and it was a really hard decision for me because I didn't want to abandon people because mm-hmm. so many people. It, it, it helped to brighten their yeah, lives. I
0: love you.
2: Yeah, for sure. It, 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 that was really hard. But mm-hmm. what made it easy for me was like, I, I would also write like way ahead. They'll say, well, your deadline is like, you know, a week and a half from now. Okay. Well, I would write like five, six weeks ahead because like I really enjoyed it. Like if I would be out riding my bike or walking or like, again, you know, it's that thing like I could be on my way to the grocery store and all of a sudden I think, like, oh, look at that. There's a mm-hmm. tomato. That inspired <laughs> me to do this story. So I'd quickly yeah, like, jot down and I'd take a picture and I'd come back. And I'm like, I always had stories I wanted to write about. And people liked them. So it was, it was like throwing gas on a fire. You know what I yes. mean? It was like, yes. oh, you're encouraging me. Mm-hmm. So but then, uh, then it seemed like the magic went out of it a little bit for me when they couldn't guarantee that they could run the column every week. They couldn't guarantee they could run anybody's column every week. So then I kind of felt like, you know what? Okay, uh, self. You fulfilled your mission. You stuck with this. You hung in there, mm-hmm. and now maybe you take a break.
1: Yeah.
2: But now, now recently, uh, the editor there, Stacy Jones, she's been in touch with me regularly, and uh, she's not doing an easy job. You know, it's hard right, with sure. to make a, a one a good uh, quality publication and have uh, you know severe budget constraints and stuff like that. So I mean, we talked, and I'm gladly I will I will volunteer. I'll help out. So I'm starting to write some stories again so nice. yeah and so but that's now you know and now what's happening is like it just happened i was just two three places and i'm taking pictures and i'm thinking ah this is the angle this is the story i want to mm-hmm. share this with people you know mm-hmm. um and i guess it's a good thing because you're right people uh people really connect with it and yeah, that really that's me. so i and i love writing but I, I gotta tell you out of all the writing the things i like writing about most are when i get to make up stories like uh we have a great ghost lore history in our community mm-hmm. and there's no harm in making up stories i mean, no, not at all lots of writers do it you know mm-hmm. what i mean um oh, yeah so I love halloween i love making they up too. halloween stories i love making up stories for thanksgiving or telling true stories that relate to uh thankfulness and or traditions like especially with food that like, oh, go mm-hmm. thanksgiving and then Christmas, I mean, I really just love making up Christmas stories. Yeah. And a lot of times with my writing style, I don't, you know, the newspaper, they spoil it. They'll say, like, this fictional story was provided by Dave Klein. You know, like, damn it, don't tell him it's fictional. Let them figure it out for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so like
0: Yeah, <laughs> I don't think anybody's gonna sue them over that for crying out loud. <laughs>
2: It's, it's, you know, there's, there's a very, there's still a formality to the, you know, uh, to the yeah, newspaper. Sure. You wouldn't, you wouldn't believe it in this day and age, you know, fake news day and age and all that, kind of, no matter where you stand on that issue, you wouldn't mm. think, but I can tell you, there's still some in, uh, journalistic integrity there. I believe in it. still are concerned about that.
0: Yes, yeah, okay? I believe in it.
2: Yeah. And that's, and that's admirable, right? Yeah. But, yeah, darn, I'm trying to write a story to, you know, get people, enthused and engaged and suck them in and hit the facts that make them scratch their heads and uh so sometimes they don't write fictional and that's fun i like it but when they do it's all right you know because it's in small print you know
0: sure sure like
2: this one christmas story about what was actually inspired by uh lester brininger you know the potter sure sure yeah yeah didn't have anything to do with lester brininger the christmas (laughs) story just so happened that i went down there to visit his home where they used to have the porch sales and mm-hmm. I was doing about the, his red and all that stuff. And, um, he, his house was like a museum. I mm-hmm. mean, God. It, and one of the things he had in there was this old Christmas tree with decorations from like the Christmas decorations from like the heyday in the fifties, these beautifully ornate, sparkly and embedded glass, you know, really cool. Right. Wow. And mm-hmm. at, was the fodder that i needed and that stuck in my head and i wrote this story about this kindly couple and blah, blah. i don't even remember the whole story but you know what really is right for me is and people would write to me because they put my email address and they'd be like oh well, where was that we'd like to we'd like to go visit that and we'd like to thank those people for doing that because i wrote in there that they discovered a box of gold and it was left for children to be handed out every christmas like no, I'm making that up, you guys. Come on. It's great, though, that you believe it. It's good. It's plausible it or or whatever. I have it's fun. It's important to have that, yeah.
0: <laughs> what did you say?
2: I said, so you can see just from my description, that I have fun doing that. I love that.
0: Yeah. Well, storytelling is so important. It's just like art. It's like your imagination can go wild, you know? It's so cool. And I think people need that, especially in a time like now. Um you know, it's kind of sad for me. My kids are in public school right now. And it's kind of sad to me that they have excellent teachers, but they're not really allowed to, to like explore that because they're so regimented with the core curriculum. Um, But I kind of miss when, when they were going to Montessori school and I was working there a lot more, um, there, there was a lot more room for, for adventure and creativity and, you know, having that imaginative spirit, you know, so that's kind of hard to watch, you know, because I just wish things would slow down a little bit for these kids and they'd be allowed to explore a little bit more their imagination. So
2: Well, I mean, that goes back to what we discussed when I was saying the difference between a straight line and a curved line.
0: Yep. For sure. I thought of that right away.
2: (laughs) Yep. There you go. I mean, just so happened that came up today because I was looking at a piece of furniture. But Mm it's the same what we were talking about. It's like, okay, that's why I that's why I had a hard time with uh, mostly junior high and high school
1: yeah. when they were
2: starting with the new math and the curriculum. Like,
1: mm-hmm. not
2: only did I get it, I didn't want to get it. It was boring. Same, same. It was boring. My mind was already doing these other things, like I said, plays and music and blah blah blah. And like, I there was know. no curriculum for that. No, you know, Not at all. Now, here's another interesting anecdote about that, about your observation. So, mm-hmm. some a patron hired me, gave me funding to go into a Montessori school. And do a program for the kids now these kids were like what are Montessori kids up to a certain grade level like how old
0: it's usually like three-year-olds to sixth grade so 12
2: yeah so these are mostly like three to five-year-olds now yeah yeah that. Okay. yeah and a room full of them like 45 mm-hmm. of them something like that yeah. pre-covid and mm-hmm. so this the the little show i did was music and some dance and it had hats. And so I'd have like an engineer cap and I would do like a train song and a cowboy hat. And I do a cowboy song and a straw hat. And I do like out behind the barn or something like that. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm, to use mm-hmm. the power of the imagination. Now, one of my daughters is an elementary school teacher nice. and she has once been allowed
1: mm-hmm. to have
2: down there and read a book. And the reason why is, and I would do it. I would go down and be with her all the time. If she went, if yep. she, And it's not that she doesn't want me to. It's that the curriculum doesn't allow for it. It doesn't allow for creative time. It's the straight line syndrome. Mm -hmm. It really, in my opinion, it's just my opinion, it's wrong.
0: Because not every kid marches to the beat of the same drum. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. And imagine if we hadn't had those teachers that you discussed earlier to give us that outlet those teachers that allowed us to be ourselves and express ourselves and show that we were, um, that we were also, I don't wanna say valid, what's the word I want, but that we had something to contribute that wasn't necessarily a straight line, but it was, I mean, I I went to a really small high school and, and I was voted most talented and I think back at that and it's like really incredible because the other students saw that in me and that was a really neat experience when I didn't even really probably see it in myself at the time, you know. So I think things have changed a lot in curriculum. It makes me really sad because my little ones have these two incredibly, incredibly gifted teachers and they're just not allowed to be compassionate about the situation or even discuss the situation. It's like the, I had a conference tonight and the second grade teacher said to me, she said like, you know, they haven't changed the expectations for the kids or the curriculum based on the fact that they had this gap time last year. And I was like, I know it's really unsettling. It's just, it's really sad to me. There's just no time for that anymore. So especially, I'm sorry. I know you've done some work with trying to save music programs as well. And that's something really dear dear to my heart as well, because art, when I became an art teacher, art programs were being cut right and left, you know, yeah, And I know you have, um, the, yep. you work with the foundation and what is the yep. foundation called?
2: Uh, The Ready Musical Foundation. I've been a member of that and affiliated in one way or another for the past, for more than 30 years now.
0: That's super cool. And it's so imperative because, you know, the thing that I always say is it's creative people that will get us out of these messes. You know, it's creative people that will get us out of all of our, our pickles. <laughs> you
2: know? Or, 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 or if not directly out of the pickle, uh, in some <laughs> Indirectly, uh, and then ostensibly directly be, it, being able to get your mind off of it. So I always think, oh, like,
1: yeah.
2: after I perform a show or do a reading or something, I think, like, I'm very interactive with the audience. I'm watching them the whole time. I'm watching, like, I'm putting output, I'm doing output, mm-hmm. but I'm also taking in, sucking in a lot of input. It's like a circle. And when it flows yeah. best, it really is like a circle. It's like a sixth sense, you know? And the best mm-hmm. thing anybody could ever say to me is, hey, thanks for taking my uh mind off my cares and worries for this last hour and a half or whatever see that to me no price on that there's no price i couldn't put i couldn't quantify that in dollars no and 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 that's what unfortunately a lot of our young people are missing out on because they're not getting the chance to be their creative selves if they have that in them you know um yeah. And that's a shame. And, and so with the ready musical foundation, uh, you know, we started a fund there, a family fund, the mountain folk family fund, the Klein family fund. And, you know, we do instrument upgrades because there's nothing worse than a, being a young kid trying to study an instrument. You really have a gift for it and a passion and your instrument's really bad <laughs> and it hurts to play it. That's, that's not so good. And, <clears throat> and we'll provide lessons uh, money for lessons and so forth. And um, you know, good, portion of what i earn from income from some of my radio shows for advertising and from my cd sales of my records when we play out live that pretty much all went into that fund so there's like sixty thousand some dollars in there and um we hope to keep adding to that but that's that is happily just the tip of the iceberg with the ready musical foundation there's actually there's hundreds of thousands of dollars there that kids get scholarship monies from and so and a lot of people don't know about it and it doesn't matter where you're from in our community but one thing that is important it's like 99.9 percent based in our community so this is scholarship money and money available for uh aspiring musicians and artists uh from reading and berks county okay you're not competing with kids from all over the world and yeah right you know it's really really hyper local that way and that's why I think it's so worthwhile and that's why I've stuck with it for all these years because I've seen all these kids benefit from it you know I've seen kids that started uh with no skills uh, end up playing concerts and you go like oh my god that's amazing you know and then every once in a while you see that really really gifted like intuitive student who not only is able to technically perform a piece but also has the combination of like it's just like they breathe and the music comes out of them you know, and that yeah. that's quite something and we want to encourage that. That's super cool. and, and so in these COVID times and these other times when you know, like I just think like, man, if we can just keep providing entertainment or keep providing an alternative uh reality for people and let them yeah. escape to our little bubbles that we create with our art and our and our music and our whatever it is, your cooking, your writing, your yes. whatever, you know, then that's good because the world needs that, you know. Yeah it's the age old story. When you come to the end of the road in your own specific finite lifespan, are you going to say, geez, you know, I wish I would have worried more about things in the office or geez, maybe I should have danced more. Maybe I should have sung more. Maybe I should have played more. You know, I don't know. That's why I like to let too much time go by before I'm engaged in another project. You know, you got to have, got to have multiple, you got to have output. If you've been given the ability to do like the kinds of things you do the art and mm-hmm. stuff girl you better keep on doing it
0: oh yeah i'm not stopping it's really interesting cuz i'm um, i was trying to get like a regular job job cuz i was worried about money and hunter really talked me out of it because you know it's nice to have somebody that that can understand that that need to fill um and also you know just so hard and I know you you can relate to this probably when you try and put yourself back in the box and you've been out for so long it just, I don't know what I was thinking I I mean it it came down to like financial necessity but there really isn't it's just not worth it sometimes sometimes you have to value your time as well it more than money you know it's not always just the money and happiness and mental health and Making sure you continue to feed the creative spirit, I think is really important because really, I always think of it like it's kind of like a little person inside of you. And if you don't feed it, it's going to like take it out on you, you know, I mean, it'll just you'll suffer. Sure. And,
2: also, you know, there's that responsibility of helping people. You know, some people are good at um, whatever. Some people are good at uh, fixing streets. Yeah people are great at uh you know um fixing cars yes. i'm really not good at any of those things Mm-mm. so if those people want to consume what i'm good at it's my responsibility to be the best i can be and to keep my skills up and to keep yes. learning just like i would expect when i go to have my car fixed mm-hmm. i kind of hope that the, or my heart looked at i would kind of hope that that person kind of like keeps up on things and knows what they're doing so mm-hmm. i have a responsibility as a as a now uh, as a musician as an entertainer as a writer as an artist whatever you want to call it you know uh to to do that too you don't rest yeah. on your law yeah. know. so think of it that way i mean and and it's really been a revelation for me because i always um you know i wanted to have a normal life and i didn't want to have like a showbiz life because i'm uh, you know i just uh, I felt the need, like I said, to do these things, but I didn't feel the need for self-aggrandizement that way. Although hype is part of the game and it's a fine line there. But um, So I did like the day job thing and I did it for my entire career. I, I did those for my entire career. I had like, it was like two, at least two lives I was living. It was, it was, mm-hmm. it was the day job and running at one point, like two, three companies at one time or divisions. Oh. And then doing that for like sometimes 12, 14, 18 hours a day and then coming home and being like the creative guy and going out and booking jobs or writing music or whatever, you know, or playing a job till 2 in the morning and then waking up at 5 to go to the next job. And so I say all of that because in the end, uh, as I was starting to get toward the twilight of the uh, corporate America thing, I can't say I ever really enjoyed the whole corporate bull crap. You know the the yeah. games people play and the backstabbing and the, uh. but toward the end of that, and this is in recent history in my life, I've now been given the gift to be able to be alive and reflect on it. And
1: mm-hmm. I
2: reflect, I say to myself, "Oh my God, the things I used to worry about not having enough money, this and that and the other thing. These are all such transitory things, and and you got to have it. And, and I get mm-hmm. what it's like when you have to struggle. I mean, I've mm-hmm. been there. I get it, you know." Um, but now, I said this just to somebody the other day, they're like, well, Dave, I mean, you could work if you wanted to. I said, well, what do you mean exactly? Well, you know, like if you wanted to go get a job, you know, like a job. I said, well, I mean, I'm pretty busy with my creative projects right now. Yeah, but I mean, if you wanted to get a job, job. I said, you mean like a, an office a job, job, job. Like a corporate thing? Yeah, All right. Yeah, yeah, like a corporate thing. You could go be a, a this or that or why I said. Yeah, yeah, I got the cred. I get it. I see what you're saying. But you know what? My ship has sailed mm. this is what i this is what it's like for me right now uh and this goes back to what you said just a moment ago and the way you said it i liked it 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 was like i feel like i am out now on a ship on the ocean really far from shore and that whole mm. corporate part of my life that i had to live to raise a family mm-hmm. and to do all the normal straight line things that people expect you to do and all that kind of stuff i feel like i served that master <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's so far in my rearview mirror now it's a dim memory even as a matter of fact if anything i look back when i say oh my god how <laughs> did you do that and all i want to do is do the creative stuff now now mm-hmm. i can like with whatever time i have left just do that stuff yeah and if somebody wants to pay me for it then fabulous but you know what mm-hmm. i'm doing it anyway Mm-hmm.
0: It's
2: very true. I mean, yeah, the stuff you do. I mean, and then you have the artists that really go all in and you get it. That's why some people become, I never wanted to be like, I didn't want to be, like I said, I wanted to be the Beatles, but I didn't mean like the mega superstar thing. I meant the okay. creative part. Like who wants people like, even now, like you said, you retreat a little bit. You know, people don't realize this, but I am a little shy too. Like mm-hmm. there's times when I'm on and there's a time I when I don't. It. Like, and the time I don't want to be honest, I'm at the grocery store. Here's a typical scenario. I'm at the grocery store. I'm walking down the aisle. I haven't showered or shaved. I look like crap and probably smell that bad too. (laughs) And I just want to get a celery or something, you know, or whatever. And here comes, you know, whatever happy louis or whatever that uh-huh. hey Dave, you know hey let's talk hey you're <laughs> like oh crap oh my god oh i just want to i don't mean to be i, I don't i just i don't want to be that dave right now i don't want to be east side dave i don't want to be uh you know what i mean like i don't want to be a personality i'm just a schmo i'm a nothing here okay just go away <laughs> my friend yeah. charlie he's great He. i just i've seen him turn to people and say go away <laughs> And it seems so ungrateful and rude and crass. but it's yeah. really because there's the shy part of you that really, like, when you're not on, you don't right. want to be. I don't need that flashlight or that spotlight or that limelight all the time. And I think about people who really, really haven't got it going on. I think of like Taylor Swift and I think of people mm-hmm. like the Beatles or whatever, you name them, the superstars. And I think, like, how in the world do they stay sane? How do they stay I sane? I
0: know. They can't so even I'm breathe. happy. For
2: you know, I'm happy. It's good. Me too. You know?
0: Me too. I agree. There's, there has to be a balance because the thing is, and it's, and it's, and it's so interesting because it took me this long, like I'll be 40 in January to realize that, um, I'm a hundred percent an introvert. And while introverts can act extrovertly, <laughs> whatever the word would be, like teaching was never a good match for me because it's having to be on all day. Like, you are on stage the entire day and it always made me feel like the walls were falling in on me or something because even though they're children and they're lovely alone or in small groups like as a unit a large group it was really it was really overwhelming to me and I didn't realize that was the problem until you know I had tried doing it for a while and I was so unhappy um but yeah I think that when people are super creative and and it hasn't been stolen from them or robbed from them and they've held onto it that long and they're technically introverts, I think you need to have that downtime, you know, to recharge. I think that's, I always think of it like that. And it's funny because hunters, so not like that. So we just, it's, it's so interesting to me because it's just, it's interesting how many different kinds of creatives there are, you know, but I think it's really important to take that time for yourself as well, because you need to recharge in order to be, cause you and I are really similar and that we're like very charitable and giving in, um, you know, just spending time with people or teaching them things. It's really important to us. Um, but needing to recharge as well because the, I always find that really, really tricky. So yeah. So the vending events can be tough when they're nine days straight.
2: You know? <laughs> it's it, there's, yeah. There's no, there's no downtime. And, and, no. you know, for, for what I do, it's like, Hey, you know, I'm not always singing dumb songs, you know, or, or right. songs that, inspirational or whatever, you know, but uh, it's a double-edged short because for sure. they're, they're the reason you do it. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah. I mean, you can't be on all time. Like, and I'll tell you, this is, this is a typical thing for me. If I'm going to do, if I know I'm doing anything from a 45 minute show on up 45 mm-hmm. minutes, my like cut off. Like I never really thought about it, but I think as I look back on my habits, I need to make sure that I'm in a quiet space relaxing either literally laying down or in a reclining chair listening to music or just total quiet with nobody talking nobody around for at least two hours i'd say at least two hours before before i get up and then get all because you know i'm at the level where i still have to go set up my own equipment and stuff you know for Mm -hmm. a concert uh i like it better when somebody else sets it up but regardless i need that I, i i figure on an hour and a half to an hour before I set up, before I play. And before that, at least two hours of complete downtime, complete. Mm -hmm. But here's the trade-off. I guarantee you when I come out there and do what I do with you as an audience member, I'm going to give you everything that I have. And when I'm done, there's nothing left. Like I'm exhausted. Yeah. Hopefully you are too, and have been fulfilled and satisfied and like that circle, because I think part of that's driven by the little part of me that's the introvert and a little shy Mm -hmm. because, like, if I don't get the audience reaction and I don't feel that Sixth Sense thing happen within, like, I'd say, a minute into the first song, I think my brain starts to panic. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen a lot. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, you know, like, I don't go out there thinking, oh, yeah, man. I rule. This is great. Oh, oh, no, I go out there thinking like, oh, my God, I hope I don't suck. And I hope this is good. And I hope you guys like it. These are all the insecurities that you have. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just a person like most people are. Mm-hmm. Now, there are some people I know that don't have that at all when they go out on stage,
0: you know, yeah. and they're a
2: different kind of personality. But are there are also a lot of people that are just like I what described right there. Mm-hmm. You know, I heard a real great interview with B.B. King one time where he described that as like, Oh my gosh, I got to get the people with me, you know, because yeah, then for sure. then I'll do my best work. I yeah. won't, as I call it, I won't get in my own way. Yeah. I, yeah. I can sometimes get in my own way as a performer, especially when it comes to music, probably manifests itself more with music than anything else. Like, because if I'm not feeling the audience and I really genuinely mean this, a sixth sense, like we have mm-hmm. the five smell, taste, touch, blah, blah, okay. hearing, but also that, that special thing, that, mm-hmm. that thing. You know, whatever that is, that's a sixth mm-hmm. sense. And I feel that. And if it's not there, oh, it's really hard for me. Yeah. And I don't like to fake my through shows. No. So, yeah, so you know I means. have it, it, the downtime is important. And then mm-hmm. I worked with a lot of the guys that were like really great, great at what they did and that were really pros, like on the like in the folk music scene like Bill Monroe. I mean, I saw Bill Monroe, I saw Ralph Stanley. I worked with them on the same stage in festivals. And I still see those guys come off after a show and they would stand there for like an hour talking to people. And the craziest questions you'd ever hear. And they're just trying to sell records. And you know, there's somebody they're not buying a record that's like monopolizing the poor guy's time.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: So you learn to deal with all that because that's the public and they don't they don't really have that sometimes. Yeah. um the good outweighs the bad there are for people sure. they're, they're they're really great but so you don't run in a trailer and hide but sometimes when i'm done i really need to just go sit somewhere and just yeah again chill out for a couple moments yeah,
0: so if i ever here
2: oh, it's not because i'm rude it's because i'm, I'm just no. spent
0: for sure i understand it but i think some people people's expectations can be so high and it can be very frustrating you know um when they think of you as something other than human which happens
2: that's right
0: far too often it's frustrating but um yeah like also at the folk fest, it's kind of weird because unlike other vending events where you're treated more like um an artisan or a craftsperson like a highly skilled person sometimes you feel like you're kind of in a cage and like a chimpanzee like it's kind of like the kitschy side so it's a little tricky um
2: what do you mean because Trinity. culture that's on display or the
0: no it's just something about maybe it's the the culture of the actual festival because it's gone through its ups and downs i think steve was doing a really great job i didn't know dave Fuchs; we weren't doing it then but um i think some people that come come to like uh, kind of as voyeurs i don't know we experienced that a little bit but maybe that's where we're waiting, waiting oh, them back right. so
1: that, yeah, you I know and it. they're
0: like sort of like oh you know, they think we're all Amish and this is all like so strange and weird. Um, It's weird. It's very interesting, though. I mean, it's me from a sociological perspective, like the things you'll hear, because, you know, we have all this understanding about what we are. But then for so many people to travel from far and wide to see us and then kind of have not an understanding or only know what they've, the misinformation that's been told, it's just really interesting to see it all kind of collide. But I think I thought, um, I really felt that uh, Steve was doing a fabulous job trying to make it more about traditions and, and um, raising up the craftspeople and, and having the Schweinfelder involved and stuff like that in the musical acts. It, it was really a, a class, classy event. So I hope that continues.
2: Yeah. So the voyeur thing, I felt I felt that, but of course, in my role there, which was primarily performing and entertaining, whether it was on the main stage or at the hoedown stage. I mean, that was my role. People did, Her. they, they weren't boys, I'd be in trouble. For right? sure. they, For sure. they came to watch and to listen, yeah. and to, hopefully yeah. in my, my shows, to participate, because you got to sing along. You can't just sit yeah, there, I, so I'm <laughs> say, you can't just sit there and stare at me, you need to like do something. Okay, <laughs> you need to participate, or I'm, really I'm gonna get your that's the part I don't say. Yeah. But that's what's really going on. I know. Uh, but 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 you know what's really telling about what you said there—that vibe you picked up on—because you must have some of that sixth sense too. Oh,
0: Oh,
2: one hundred and fifty percent. About the the Kutztown Folk Festival, the weird vibe about that voyeur thing. And It's so weird that you say that and funny and ironic is because you know one of the most popular things, still mm-hmm. to this day, I know. I know. despite all. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> reasons why you shouldn't do that. Is that hanging of poor Susanna Cox, like what, yeah. five times a day they hang the lady? Guess where
0: our vending booth is, you know, like right behind it. Yeah. So every single time we get to hear
2: it. Oh, every, to time, hear it. every time happen. I'm like,
0: I can't take it one more time.
2: But look at that. I mean, that's so true. At her, at her actual hanging. It was like a circus and hangings used to be that way. I mean, that was yeah. a whole if you ever see movies that really depict it properly, like the way it was, it really was like a circus. It was a happening. Know, people didn't have better do. There were vendors there selling food, and then it built up to this climax, and then they hung the person, and it was always very anticlimactic. It's like right. okay, now, well, now nothing. They're dead. They just hang there. There's nothing. There's Crazy. no on, onies or elephants that come out. You know, right. yeah. It's, it's a weird voyeuristic tendency of people. But so I know what you mean. So like, yeah. there's people that sort of browse the stands and they look and I think they judge, and they're judging value. the comments, Dave.
0: I mean, we will hear some funny shit sometimes. Yeah. The strangest, funniest stuff, like, it's not necessarily, like, offensive, but it's just, I think, you know, you tire of it after a couple days. (laughs) It's just, like, and then there'll be these waves of, like, really, like, legit people that are super into it, and, like, really, like, classy, and and, and you know, it just takes all kinds, and that's fine, but you know, sometimes it just gets to be a little too much. So, but that's just my personality, and that's why it works better when Hunter's the face for us because right, he can right. give a shit. <laughs> He's just like, whatever. But yeah, I don't know.
2: Yeah, that's the way to be. Like, it's in like music, the artist ego that I have. <laughs> yeah. So, when you're performing, it's mm-hmm. a uh, really interesting job because you get instantaneous feedback if you're yeah. aware. I mean yeah. people are either clapping or they're not doing anything or they're staring or whatever, you know, so right. that I've been around some of the artisan stands and I'm just there kind of observing and I hear mm-hmm. some of the things people say and I think one of the strangest things or like most kind of offensive or like what are, are you for real right now? You, the, the artist is standing right there. They'll say something like this would be a typical one, two people. One says to the other, oh, I would never put that in my home. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, All the or, time.
2: Or, oh my god do you see what they want for that like yeah okay um, all day long they spent a hundred hours making that i know it it's wasn't so made funny it, you know another was,
0: good one that's not as offensive but also equally hilarious and i hear this literally everywhere i go is oh my gosh can i take a picture of that because i totally want to make that <laughs> i can do that myself. Right yeah oh my yeah yeah
2: sure go yeah. for it i mean yeah, great go ahead yeah and you smile graciously and think, man, come on. Mm-hmm. So, and then there's different, like, uh, n- not right now, of course, but I'm really fortunate. I got to play a lot of different folk festivals and bluegrass festivals through the years, through the decades mm-hmm. and regions. I used to play this one, uh, a similar kind of craft fair. It was a, it was, and it's heyday, a huge thing in a place called Waterloo Valley, Waterloo Valley or Waterloo Village, New Jersey. Or So wow. it was right that. it really was more like New York, New York, you know? And you'd get a certain clientele there and they were on mm-hmm. end and you'd have guys selling carved ducks there for thousands of dollars, you know, and stuff like oh, that. Wow. And yet, you know, we'd be playing our hearts off. We'd play at a stage. They wouldn't allow us to have a PA system. So we had to play acoustically, which is brutal. It's just brutal when you're singing, especially. Oh, yeah. And then back then we would sell vinyl LPs and you'd have that certain class of customer who would come up and they'd be like, well, how many songs? Well, there you go. It's like, well, how many, how much music? Bah, bah, bah. Hmm. And how much do you want for it? Well, we sell our albums for $15. Oh, well, I'll give you five. I know. <laughs> like, like, no, we're not, we're not, what do you, we're not doing that. You know, we're not putting our hands on the table and negotiating or whatever they do. You know, we're <laughs> not, just not doing that. I'm sorry. This is what it costs. I got to carry them around. They're heavy. They get warped in the sun. I got to account for, you know, the ones that get destroyed. It's 15 bucks.
0: <sighs> i know
2: just a little That's rant incredible from
0: me. i know but how do you how do you work through all that it's just uh you know you I, move on and the yeah. next person's probably going to say something incredible and make your heart explode with joy right yeah.
2: so excited to get the album oh my god can you sign um, yeah. it you're like oh my god here here's an extra five you guys did a great job like what okay thanks oh, i love
0: that's it come here cool.
2: stay here stay right here yeah <laughs> i need <laughs> to protect me to them, so.
0: protect me from all these other people. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true though the ebb and flow is very interesting because you'll have that kind of like awful situation or experience <laughs> or comment and then somebody will come up through like oh my gosh i'm so glad to find you like we've been looking for you and we bought this like X amount of years ago and we're so happy to see you. And it just makes, it makes it all worth it. You know, it's so fulfilling. And so uh, I'm with you too. Like, I don't ever want to be like star stardom or anything. That's just not me, but I love to feel like people will say to me, I had a guy order a Welsh doll, and he said to me, Um, you know, my family really loves your books and stuff. And I was like, wow, like I just, I haven't even thought of my books. Cause I just keep moving on, you know, like, keep going forward but it was neat to see that there was something he was building on like um, a collector uh, like following my work it was really neat to have that experience especially right now when there's not much time to create so it's so precious the time that we have um to make new things and to get that um creative energy out because it is like it's a buildup, and it becomes very detrimental if you don't get it out i have found so
2: I think it should be particularly fulfilling for you what you just said. I would relate that to like, okay, I've done enough CDs now and vinyl LPs that I kind of like, it kind of becomes a blur, you know, because I'm focused on the tech project I'm doing. Right. And so uh, when somebody comes up and they'll still say, and I, I, well, when we were out and about every once in a while, I would have somebody post on Facebook or you'd go on eBay and you see like one of your vinyl LPs, like the very first one we made. And you wow. say, like, wow, how much is that selling for? Geez, wow. holy cow, we couldn't. We had people that would only give us five bucks for them back in the day.
0: That's
2: so cool. <laughs> or or uh, they say, like, oh, you know, I really like this song. Uh, in my case, it's mostly I like this song or I like this story. Those are the two things that probably, you know, uh, represent my career and things that people consume that they will repeat back to me it's either the writing or the music and mostly the music so they'll say i really like a song of yours and i say well which one they tell me and i go like wow okay that's really neat and i think to myself you know that's fulfilling because there's a body of work that's now been built up and i'm already so way past that like because i'm making these other projects that it's really neat to know that people are consuming or collecting or still enjoying that era or that aspect of my work. And I think that's what you just described there. Deep down inside, you got to know when they tell you that they like something like that, and you're already past it, that it it really is a really good internal feeling.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it kind of reminded me too, that like, you know, I shouldn't take this position and I should stick to what I'm doing because I'm on the right track and it's just going to get better, you know, and build upon itself.
2: And also, should remind you that you've been productive. Yeah, you've used this gift, you've used this talent, you've used this compulsion, as I like to call it, sometimes this crazy, <laughs> wonderful mental illness or whatever. You know, you've used it. You've used it for good. You've used it for benefit. It, it brightens people's lives, and yeah. not to—that's what it's all about. Leaving. What, what is the meaning of life? I can answer that. The only way, the way I answer that always is to try and make something a little bit better than it was before you were here. That you had really some true. impact. You just weren't born, lived, and died, and did nothing.
1: Right.
2: That's and everyone can do that in their own way somehow. Like they can. Yeah, sure. I tell. You, at the credit union, you know, I was at the credit union. A simple, a simple, a simple uh, moment of that. I was at the credit union. I go in. The lady says, "Oh, hi, uh, Mr. Klein," being very formal. Mr. Klein. Okay. Hi, Mr. Klein. I'm like, oh, hi. Very nice. And when she was done, I just said, "You know what?" I would just want to thank you. This is really great how personable you are. And you really just a great, you do a great job. You make me feel welcome when I come in here. And I don't think she was expecting that. Uh, I'm sure she wasn't, but it wasn't just training. You know, you can tell when it's fake and when it's not, you know, and, and, uh, and uh, her in her own way, she's doing, you know, she's, she's making a difference. She made a difference in my life and I wanted her to know it. For sure. That's
0: so nice. And I think giving people that gift of telling them to is so important because a lot of people probably think that and they just don't mention it. I have been trying to do that with all the teachers because they really are going above and beyond what their call of duty is right now. I know.
2: Teachers, I mean, wow. When you think about all the responsibility and the power, the outright power they have to bend and shape and form and help cultivate the next generation of, of minds... Mm-hmm. and leaders and creative people and whatever, you know, butchers, bakers, candlestick makers. Yeah. Um, they have a, an unprecedented role in our, in our society, and they are facing unbelievable challenges right now. Yeah. So God bless the teachers. Like Honestly. I said, there were those three or so in my life that made a huge difference, and it made such a huge difference. That's all it needed to be. And even one can make a huge difference. 100%. 100%.
0: For sure. Oh, Dave, this has been so nice. Yeah. 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 It has I
2: really been. Appreciate Thanks. It. Thanks for we, being interested.
0: No, for sure. We didn't get to touch on some things that I wanted to, but I feel like this was a really nice conversation and um, I think we got to touch on enough of it. I just make a huge list to have things to talk about <laughs> just in case, but yeah, I wanted to make sure to talk about the community and charitable work that you're doing. The last thing I'd like to ask you about though is what are you working on now and like what future projects can we look forward to? Is there anything coming, coming down the pipeline anytime soon?
2: You're yeah, going to be I'm starting
0: start- to write again for the yeah. first country. That's like really exciting.
2: Yeah, uh, I'm not sure. I need to emotionally get there. Like, you know, yeah. uh, I mm-hmm. kind of, like I said, ship set sail from things like the corporate world and all that. That's not the corporate world. It's still ruled by deadlines and deadlines yeah. right now to me are anathema. You know what I mean? Yeah. just like, no, I don't want to have a deadline for a a project. I just don't. No. But I think with that I will because it's fulfilling and I like it. If people want it, then that's validating and then it's worth doing. You know, mm-hmm. so it's worth me sacrificing a deadline, I guess, you know. So because, uh, you know, it's a connection. It's a good connection, especially right now for people. So there's that. I'll be more active with that. Um, there's, still, uh, there's still work to be done with the John Bond project I did uh, okay. with John. Bond, the artist, um, because we just were start, we did like two or three live shows, and each mm-hmm. one of them was well attended and really well received. And then COVID hit, and we had mm-hmm. to cancel a bunch of shows. And what I mean by shows is he would put up his art, I would go there, we'd have like a grand opening, I would play some of the music, and we'd talk about, well, why did this song lyrics inspire that painting, or why did that painting inspire this song and the lyrics? So, uh-huh. because really interesting opportunity to talk to two people that were involved in creating this multimedia project. So, I hope we get back to that. And I know he plans on it, and I plan on it as soon as we can. Meanwhile, he stays busy, and, and that's all good. Um, project you were involved with a long time ago now, it's incredible how long it's taken. Uh, and that's their Belschnickel Suite. Mm-hmm. The sweet and fire. Yes, you did the original illustrations for the portfolio of the music and I, we had a limited edition of those made i think half of those i gave i gave uh one to each of the musicians who performed it live for the first time in the reading uh philharmonic orchestra um another couple went out to friends and were signed and at least half of them got burned up in the fire so that's like oh, they're rare. i
0: still have they're. some if you need any you let well, they're me
2: know here's his hen's teeth yeah but um, the update on that project was last March, no, not last March, two Marches ago, because last March oh, was COVID,
0: two Marches mm-hmm.
2: ago, I had enough money saved up and I was able to hire the entire Reading Pops Orchestra, this huge orchestra, huge. And we went into a recording studio and we recorded the whole symphonic thing of Der Bell's oh, my gosh. And And um, oh,
0: cool.
2: it's the first and only full Pennsylvania Dutch That's symphonic incredible. work. So we were planning on having that released at the center, uh, this Christmas, but you know, COVID again, screwed that all up. So in the background, uh, we're still working on that and maybe for next holiday season, we'll release that. And what I mean is we'll do like a YouTube or a zoom or something. Yeah. We'll play the music and you know, blah, blah, blah. So That's I really so want to cool. get that out there before I die though. That'd be nice. You know, <laughs> posthumous stuff is never, it's, it can't be, it can't be fun. I mean, <laughs> No matter what six cents you have, it just can't be fun. Oh, that's <laughs> so, so neat though. Yeah. That's so incredible. That, that's still in the works in the back burner. Really current projects, I have a complete alter ego and don't tell anybody Shh, so that I could get outside of my uh, bluegrass folk thing, you know, which is great, but I, I have more to offer um, and I need to offer that to myself and other people as well. So I created this blues, rockabilly, rock and roll character, and his name is Busker Incognito. So in right. case people don't know, a busker is another word for a person who's a street musician. That's the easiest mm-hmm. definition. And uh, on incognito, everybody knows what that means. So my character is Busker Incognito. It's not unlike David Bowie creating characters like Ziggy Stardust or anybody creating characters. I always believed Bowie. I believed him when he said it. He said, I'm not a rock and roll musician. I'm an actor. You know, I'm I'm this mm-hmm. And uh, my background really is in theater ever since mm-hmm. I'm little. So I really always kind of view it as it's more of a show than a concert. Sure. There, there's a difference to me. For sure. And that's why it needs to be so engaging. Like mm-hmm. I don't view it as me sitting there singing and pontificating and everybody, you know, you pay attention. And you, No, I view it as, hey, we're doing this together. It's interactive. You need to have emotion. You need to feel it. I need to know you're feeling it, you know. So uh so my current project with the, with the blues rockabilly thing is I have a a a, a a a retro vinyl lp and there'll be a cd copy and digital copy it's called uh, Busker Incognito and it is a vinyl lp project called it's a concept album called The Show
1: nice.
2: and it's uh four tracks Four tracks on each side of a vinyl LP because to get optimum sound you need 17 half and a half minutes. But it's got like the vinyl art. My friend Bob Yost, who's an artist that works with me a lot and likes to do stuff with me on that side of my life. He's done this uh these great this great artwork. And we're just now we have this one number that we have to record that calls for like a full horn section and trumpets (laughs) like James Brown, yes like rocking man it's got and it's fun music it's blues it's a statement on our times there's a there's a there's a rock and roll version of a song that you heard me do the folk version of and that's the whoop the devil's virus there's a there's there's this rock version of it you know it's really that's
0: awesome
2: it's really something so that project is in it's been working on that project for a year and a half and i'm hoping that we get to finish that up sometime in the next month um, another project that I'm doing that is uh, very soon to be released, and uh, hopefully you'll see something about that soon. Just for fun, we created a holiday project called um, Holiday Fruit Cake. And that is <laughs> that's my that sense of humor. <laughs> well, I have a Jewish friend, Lara Hope. Lara Hope, She has a group called the Arctones. And anyway, she's Jewish, you know, because like, I wrote to her and I said, Listen, I want to do this Christmas thing. She's Dave, I'm Jewish. I said, "Well, I don't care. I mean, lots of Jewish people have written Christmas songs. What's your problem, anyway? Are you being discriminatory?" <laughs> you know, she's no, no. She's laughing. I said, "Well, listen, what do you have?" And she told me she's got this version of the dreidel song that's like this rockabilly country chicken fried, oh, kind of, and, and so. And awesome. my friend Dave Lewis, who's this great producer. I I love working with Dave at Gangster Beagle Studios in Mount Penn for um for anything. He's been doing the whole busker thing, and he's really into that, and also. He's putting a track together with his band, Mo Sevens, and then Busker Incognito is doing an acoustic blues track called Christmas is Coming, and it's a riff-off. Remember the old Christmas is Coming, the geese are getting fat. Won't you yeah. please put and in the old man's set? Well, Busker is a street musician, so he's in. Christmas time is coming, the geese are getting fat. Won't you please put a Franklin in Busker's cap? Well, if you haven't got a Franklin a pair of brand new Washingtons will do. (laughs) And it goes through this whole thing. It's all about a guy sitting on an urban street side just singing the blues at Christmas. So there's that. And then I also Uh wrote one called Christmas Mojo. And that's Busker Incognito. And again, forgive my sense of humor. It's Busker Incognito and the Christmas Balls. And that is is the band. And so this is it. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's crazy. I know. You, and we had a we had a halloween release too it was busker incognito in the halloweeners so yes all these things are available on digital download platforms apple itunes amazon they're all legitimized
0: i was just gonna ask you where can people find you uh,
2: yeah uh, amazon apple itunes uh the busker lp won't be released till 2021 the show but the, uh, the, uh, the Christmas thing will be out in the next couple of weeks. So That's stay so cool. tuned. It's a five-song yeah. EP. And it's just alternative music for the holiday season because aren't we all sick of hearing Stiela Noct, Heilige knock? I mean, a beautiful song, beautiful story. And I'm really not sick of it. But I mean, like, come on. It's like, come on. I know.
0: I know. My kids just want to listen to Pentatonic. Which is very cool, but I need
2: yeah, a break. Uh, yeah, I get it. Penetizer. They are really cool, think though. about but... this. What kind of ego does it take? I was talking to Dave Lewis in the studio about it. What kind of ego does it take to be the 140th artist who recorded, you know, Joy to the World? Like, right. okay. okay. Hey, I'm mean, like, really? Okay, the world needs another version of that? Uh, okay, I get it. In the old days, like during the Rat Pack days, like Sinatra and those guys, I get it. They were all these Bing Crosby. And I guess it's still the same way today. But it was really, if you listen to it, it was more about the arrangers. Mm-hmm. Like so you'd have Les Brown and his band renowned, or you'd have these 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 arrangers that made these, and that was the artistry, and it was the different arrangement. And it still is today, but like the 151st version of Joy to the World, oh, maybe not. And maybe not. So my idea was let's put this thing together and please make up something original or or take do a different, completely different take on something that's a, a standard, you know, and, and let's see how. Comes out to give some people. So that's pretty much what I'm working on. I'm doing some pottery stuff. That's I I kind of and I kind of stink at that right now, but I do make these garlic Christmas ornaments that people seem to like to buy. Yeah, they look like garlic, and I do look like garlic when I'm done with them. We love garlic. Yeah. So what I do with those, I sell them or give them away. Like I'll I'll do two or three garlic bulbs that I've raised. And then I'll have one of the ones that I made out of ceramics with it in a pack. And then I'm playing like, it's the gift that keeps on giving. If you, you can eat it up now, or you can use this garlic and grow it year after year and use the bulb on your Christmas tree. And I thought that was, people seem to like that.
0: I love that. How can we get one of those?
2: That's a good question. Right to (laughs) Facebook. I don't have an Etsy store. You You need need (laughs) like a um, a manager. I made a career in marketing and I I really kind of am the worst (laughs) self-market you
0: all right. who was expecting we wouldn't be able to be in person and just get it from you right
2: that, that, that's where that's where i would do it like right, i would go right. to groups and i would take them along and i'd sell them there sure. here's yeah. a funny story about creativity and you know it could sound folk festival again we keep coming back to that one year because they i was allowed to sell other stuff as a musician i could sell my cds or any I went, okay cool great fantastic So I decided I I hand painted these Christmas ornaments. They were glass ornaments, and I hand painted them with like mountain scenes of the Alps and little cottages and cabins and edelweiss. And I sold them, and they sold for like twenty five bucks. And they were worth it because I probably have you know so many hours in the painting each one. Sure. Nobody had anything like that. The very next year, you saw Christmas (laughs) ornaments. one thing sells, next thing you know, everybody's making it. The guy that was doing like okay. chocolate covered donuts last year, forget them, he's now selling Christmas ornaments. Oh, yeah. yeah that was,
0: that's that's a really funny observation. That was something that happened to me with the Vossernix, like particularly with Pennsylvania Dutch folk artists. I saw them suddenly popping up everywhere, which okay. was exciting and cool. I was like, hey, no, no problem here. They looked all very different, but it was um, one of these motifs people don't really know about, and it's kind of like hidden or like I don't know. It's really interesting stuff, but oh, Dave.
2: Yeah, <sighs> it's exciting. unique Western region, which is kind of cool. That's why I yeah. like it. You know? Yeah. I'm, it really is. I can't a wait really... to
0: find that Etsy commercial. We just don't have TV, so.
2: Oh well, that's why you, that explains why you didn't we see it. We have Hulu
0: then. and Amazon Prime. Well, you know what? I have
2: to look it, for it. This is on Netflix or Amazon Prime. It was on one of those because that's where I I tend to oh, watch because. Cool they're putting in the productions again i can't just watch a show of course Me i'm either. looking at costumes i'm looking at yeah. the blah 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 and you know like how well was this directed and how well was it acted and like mm-hmm. you know um that's how i enjoy things like that i
0: do i listen to golden girls now i've been binging it while i'm painting and it's kind of like i think about like a and sabina it's like my radio show because it's so funny because i have you to be always doing girls something with betty white Yes.
2: So here's what I want you to do. Can
0: you tell me?
2: Well, no, this is just an observation. Or like, oh. again, just because of the- <laughs> you had a good spin, tip. Right? No, well, it sounds like you're having the same problem. <laughs> the same mm-hmm. thing. So you listen to Golden Girls. They use this stuff in the background all the time called incidental music. Yeah. So the incidental music is how they do scene transitions and stuff. Yeah. And it'll be like, da da da, da 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 And then they're into the next scene. Mm-hmm. Okay. They use the same tracks a lot of times over and over again the hallmark channel does it too when they want to do a certain mood it's a certain happy mood so let's take cut 42b for that mr director okay that way they don't have to pay for the same music recording over and over it's called incidental music if you watch the cartoon series ever family guy yeah uh, seth McFarlane, who created that he's a freaking genius when it comes to that he does the same thing i swear to god he bought the golden girls I swear to God, he bought their sound library. You listen to those two shows, have
0: to do that. don't so watch, funny.
2: listen right. and listen to the incidental music. It's the same thing. It's hilarious.
0: I love that.
2: Show. That's so funny. 99% of the people in the world just said, Dave, who cares? You're a geek. <laughs> Why would you even so notice funny. something? Like that? Do you know what
0: I noticed? Now this is very interesting. I noticed the laughter, right? Because I could tell it was live because there's like coughing and stuff. And that would never be on a laugh track. And I always hear the cough. And now with COVID, I'm like, oh, I hope that person's okay. And it was like 1998.
2: Right, like 30 years old. Yeah. Well, probably you're not okay now.
0: (laughs) I'm just like, who listens to the cough in the laugh track? That's not a laugh track. That's live. But yeah, yeah, it's so funny yeah i mean you know we so solu- we found solutions for add that didn't require medication so yay to us <laughs> <Yeah>. right <laughs> that's that right. attention that that like hyper focus and my son has it 100 where it's like this hyper focus compulsion but it's like in a creative spirit and not detrimental to anyone and it's really exciting to watch him like listen gets really
2: excited. it's okay
0: yep i know right? i'm 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 cheering it along. And so is Hunter. He's really lucky he got us as parents because we're like, this is cool. So, oh,
2: but you can you. identify what it is. Yeah, tell me. You can understand what it is. The sad part is, you know, uh, children mm. that have those needs or compulsions or I, I make it sound more dramatic because I'm old now. No, I know I just, what you mean. I self diagnose like, oh, okay, you're wacky. This is the reason you do this is because compared to normal people, you're just nuts. That's, that's why you need to do all this stuff. So I say compulsion, but I mean, really, it's really like this, this, uh, spirit, you know, this spirit sure. that's moving. He's lucky he has parents that understand it because there's yeah. a lot of that don't get it. And they want, yeah. they need desperately to, to fit into the brick in the wall and not stand yeah. out in it because they don't, they, they fear, what society thinks of them, or the neighbors think of them. Oh my God, it's not a straight line. It's a it. Don't be curved. Oh my God, you yeah. know.
0: And it's sad when they try and stuff these kids that are like this into those
2: boxes. Yeah. Please be normal. Well. Yeah. Excuse me. What? What does that mean? Even. Normal. Yeah. If everybody was the same, it'd be a pretty bad existence.
0: Super boring. Yeah. I agree. That's awesome. Well, your kids are lucky to have you guys, too.
2: And your oh, grandkids. Well, I'm lucky to have them. Yeah, yeah. They're, it's, fun. They're, it's they're fun being a parent. They're a gift. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah, I get a kick out of them. <laughs> and now, you know. You seem I
0: seem like you have a lot of fun. Uh,
2: I have a lot of fun. The, the Zoom thing. I like when we visit, you know. That's really. Yeah. That's, except, you know, as I get older, I have the kind of grandkids that maybe all grandkids do this. Like, if they see me, like. I I, I sometimes tend to doze off, and they just have this need to, like, just rudely, like, come in, like, (laughs) smash into my stomach, or, like, outright just bop me in the head, like, wake up.
0: (laughs) That's so Hunter and my husband, poor Hunter, my husband, oh my god, he just gets, like, brutally attacked, he's a napper, he just can, I can't do it, I can't turn my brain off, he'll just, like, fall asleep, and it's, like, I'm so jealous, like, he gets to rest for, like, five minutes, and Like the power nap thing, I know kids
2: are ruthless. Brutal. I'll spend two hours listening to music now. If it's around the grandkids, I'm falling asleep because probably I was up. Where and this is again, again, not a straight line, not a brick in the wall, but a brick out of the wall. Use all these analogies. I don't know how else to describe it. I'm sounding like I'm defending myself, and I guess I am because really, in some ways, when you're an artist, you feel like you're doing that most of your life because the quote unquote normal society doesn't understand why. If I have an idea going, I might work till two, three in the morning and I'm not exhausted. I'm just like, I'm good. I'm I'm so into it. I lose track of the time. But then there's hell to pay the next day, especially as you get like I might sleep through the whole day.
0: Yeah.
2: And then I feel guilty. Oh, I should be out exercising. Oh, I should do this. And then I have to say, Dave, for God's sakes, please cut it out. For God's sakes.
0: It's true. You have to be forgiving of yourself. Very true.
2: Yep. 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 Okay. Well,
0: Thank you so much. This has been so nice. And it's nice okay. to see you and we miss you so much. And we really enjoy all your posts and, and you and Hunter have so much in comments. So funny, even down to the theater. Yeah. Stuff. I can't wait to share this with him. So keep doing what you're doing. You're making a huge impact. And we, we just love having you in our community and, and you're just such a wonderful spirit and full of good, good positive energy. And we all need that. So thank you so much. I can't wait to hear this, this Christmas Bye. track.
2: Thanks a lot for asking me. Good luck there. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Keep on keeping on. I'll talk to you soon.
0: You too, Dave. Take care. Max Good.
2: Bu- yep, Max Good. <laughs>